sexual integrity. This is episode number five. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for downloading the program today. I'm very excited about today's show. I have a guest, Dr. Clark Gerhardt, who is a surgeon, wrote a book called Say Goodbye to Stubborn Sin. Great book. It's on my book list on my website, digitalaudioproject.com slash ASI. Click on the bookstore. You can buy it right there on the website. And and don't put it off, man. If there's anything in this show uh, hits you in any any way today, I you know I'm not Mr. Big Book Salesman here, but I really want to. I really feel that this book can help you guys a lot in your struggle. And you know, the more you put it off, the more you think, well, I'll get the book tomorrow. I'll get the book next day. You know, you you, you forget about it. Just keep it. Just listen to the show today, and I, I pray that uh, something touches your heart. Dr. Gearhart's a medical surgeon, and uh, he's uh, gone through the spiritual journey and being a mechanic of the flesh, Dr. Gearhart. Uh, how does that kind of go into your book? I like that, a mechanic of the flesh. That's a great term. That's about what I am as a surgeon. Uh, we get in and fix the nuts and bolts of things. Um, but uh, the, the book really came out of some struggling I had in my life where I was wrestling with God on some struggle, uh, some stubborn sin issues. And kind of my medical training and my spiritual upbringing kind of collided in a, in a great fireball, and, and the result of it was a, a revelation in my own life about really how sin works and, and how we become uh, really in bondage to behaviors and attitudes that are embedded in us not just in our, you know, psyche or, or you know, in a mystical way, uh, but really physically in us and how, as we use some insights that we've gained in medicine over the last years, uh, we can really see our sin nature and understand it clearly. Uh, and I think one of the biggest problems people have is they approach their, their stubborn problems, their sins, and their sin nature with metaphors and with illustrations. We get that so much in Christendom uh, where we, we speak about things almost esoterically or, or mystically at times even, and, and you leave people trying to fight a problem with tools that are just ineffective. Uh, and, my, and my goal here with uh, the book Say Goodbye to Stubborn Sin is to help open people's eyes to really see where their sin comes from, see how in need they are, and then to apply scriptural principles more effectively to defeat that. I totally can identify with what you called in the book uh, being confused. Uh, I remember just being beyond frustration and thinking that, you know, all the, the stuff in the Bible that says that God set me free from sin, well, you know, God really wants to open us up and get us to make some choices and figure out, you know, what's going on in our own heart. I uh, tried to deal with a lot of the stuff on the surface, and I talk about in this show some of the surface stuff. I talk about that as kind of treating the symptoms of the cold, uh, you know, some of the behavioral stuff that's on the surface. But you talk about going deep, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, what did you mean by going deep? Well, first of all, I wanted to ask you about the, you know, the metaphor you used in Chapter 3 with uh, kind of sitting down with the doctor, and, you know, you have some test results, and you know that there's something going on in you. What, what would you say to a person that's stuck in pornography, for example, who's they don't understand why they keep doing this, and they're sitting in front of you as, as the doc? And what would you say to them? Yeah, well, 
when patients come to me as a doctor, they come with symptoms, and, and they explain what they feel on the surface. And with pornography, that would be the person who is struggling with this, um, you know, drive to go back to pornographic materials over and over again, or if it's sexual addiction, back to um, uh, physical relationships over and over again. And so they're feeling upset about their behavior. They're feeling upset about the relationship issues that those problems cause. And they say, I want to make my life feel better. Right. Help me to do that. What we do and what we need to do in actually curing the disease, though, is to get down to the illness inside your organs that is causing those symptoms to arise. It's just a quick illustration. You might come to the doctor complaining of a cough, and the cough is annoying you. You're having trouble breathing, talking, because you're coughing all the time. Well, the cough is not the problem. It's the pneumonia festering in the lung tissue. So, so as a doctor, we got to get down into some tests that dig deeper into the body to figure out where the problem is that's surfacing. And, and it's the same thing with these problem behaviors and struggles, and especially with pornography. Pornography, you know, in my mind, does not come out of a, a person's desire to um, see uh, uh, pornographic pictures. Right. You know, they're, what they're doing, and, and uh, you know, we can get into some of the causes if you want to jump right into that, but the, the deeper problems are really far more complex than that. It's a, it's a, it's a medication. It's something like I had to. Go, I went through a couple of different counselors, and my first counselor did help me a lot. But I felt like he was the doctor that was just treating the cold. You know, he just kept giving me cough medicine, to, right, to treat right. the surface issue. And I, w I went into another counselor who actually sat with me, and then he sat with both me and my wife, and uh, and counseled me through that. And he was more of a heart, you know, getting into my heart and finding out why all this stuff was bubbling to the surface. Um, People go to a surgeon and and pay lots of money, pay lots of money for uh, you know insurance and stuff like that. But the facts are, when they come to you, you're going to cause them pain, aren't you? Absolutely, and that's a hard thing to do, you know, as just a caring individual. But to get better, take some pain, and and nothing could be more true than than with the area of porn, you know struggling with pornography and other sexual addictions. It, it's going to hurt. You know, when you stand up and say, I'm ready for treatment, that may mean going under the knife, and that, that knife might be cutting at your reputation, cutting at what other people think of you, cutting at your pride. When you stand up and say, hey, you know, I need some help with this, but you absolutely have to do that. That's right. It's uh, making those choices to get in there and, and do that. Being a, a former sex addict myself, I, re I remember that. I mean, the biggest fear I have, I, I have a fear of, of physical doctors as well. You know, I don't, don't want needles. You know, I don't want be people poking me. I go to the doctor or the dentist when it, when it hurts really bad. And that's kind of the thing with this is I, I would encourage listeners out there that, you know, if you're really hurting with this thing, is you've you got to get in there and, and go into some of this emotionally deep stuff that Dr. Gearhart here is talking about because it's it, it's scary and it's painful, but the, the rewards are so much better. Well, there's healing at the end, and, and that's why people submit to the pain that I give them, because they know in the end they'll be healing. Why do you think people go through this constant fight with the uh, fleshy nature, as you call it, for, for, for sometimes years? Yeah. Well, 
you know, Paul used this analogy in Romans where he said, you know, that he described our sin nature as the flesh and used a Greek word that actually meant flesh and bone, you know, our physical body. Right. And, and the reason we struggle sometimes for many years is because as long as we are in the physical body, we're going to have the effects of that physical body influencing us every day. And the goal is to get those good functions that God designed to be good sanctified so that they're back functioning under the control of the Spirit in the way He intended it before sin uh, entered the world and corrupted our, our good fleshly processes. And, you know, we, we deal with the, uh, the surface ones first, the ones that kind of bubble their way to the surface first, uh, and then, you know, we keep some hidden for years, right. and uh, it takes a little longer for them to bubble to the surface. Uh, but, and, and I think it's not only a, a, you know, a gradual process, but I think it's God actually bringing his finger into your life and saying, okay, now it's time to deal with this one, and he actually makes it uh, impact your life, uh, usually in a, in a difficult way. And um, when you're facing those times of doubt and confusion and, and real struggle, I really believe that's God's hand, you know, coming into your life like a surgeon to say, does this hurt here? Yeah. You know, poking right on that appendicitis and, and saying, okay, there's the problem. That, that really hurts there. That is that's, absolutely right. Deep. So that, that's why I think, you know, it might even be years. And I, I've, after speaking with, you know, dozens and dozens of people, it, it seems, you know, even 20 years into your spiritual walk, when you think, okay, I should be pretty mature, I, I've got all the principles down, you know, there's, there's still room for growth. That's right. I was confused about, you know, being saved because of uh, all this stuff. I, I used to, went to a church where, you know, they talked about, you know, once you get saved, then you just don't have this sin nature anymore. Well, yeah. you know, that's just not true. And I kept going through this. I went and got saved like four or five times because I just think it didn't t take, you know. Exactly. And, you know, I think people need to understand what humanity and salvation is all about. And when you read the book, you, you realize and you start to see everything in my life is governed by my physical body. And our, my sin nature really does come through my physical body. It's programmed into me as a human being. That's and right. And, and God, you know, that's the funny, funny thing about the devil. Is I was talking to somebody. I said, why doesn't the devil just kill us off if, uh, you know, if we're such a threat as Christians? I said, well, then, then we wouldn't sin anymore. You know, that's a big, the, the, our own flesh is a big, uh, big tool in, in Satan's arsenal. Yes. The biggest one. And, you know, so many people are out there, you know, saying, well, you know, Satan's attacking me or this, you know, or demonic forces are oppressing me. And they do, but I think that is far less of a factor than we think because our flesh is so strong in our life. Satan doesn't really need any other tool uh, to keep us busy. We have enough just on our own level, so. That's right. You know, Dr. Freud had talked about some of this. The, you know, there's some of these Freudian psychologists who had me uh, pretty discouraged back when I first, I was probably 10 years ago when I first started looking into getting help for this thing. Yeah. And, you know, just talking about how, oh, your brain is wired for sex and that orgasm is the biggest, you know, pleasure factor in your body. And, you know, right. the spirit really is stronger than the flesh. You find that in the book uh, by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, where he kind of dispelled all those when man is, you know, deprived of food and, and all this stuff that he goes to his animal behavior. Well, you know, our, the people that had spirit, the people who needed to, you know, who survived the Auschwitz and, and those concentration camps were people who, you know, had their spirit that was bigger than their flesh. And I think that's a big part of me in my conquering this thing 
it, I mean, I've been over a year without using pornography now, and it's just taken on that, that, that the fact that my spirit is way stronger than my flesh and not believing the, the lie that, you know, God doesn't love me because I'm... I'm I'm flesh, you know. Right. He created us as as flesh, and of course, and that's a great thing. You know, it, it is true that in our flesh we are not much more than animals. Yeah. And I think Freud was right, but he was only looking at one half of the human being. And when you kind of go through the principles that I've defined, some people are tempted to say just what you said. Well, well, then we're all flesh, and there's no hope. But that's the great thing. That's where then. All of the truths of Scripture say, no, wait, God has come to meet me just where I am as a, as a depraved, hopeless, fleshly blob of chemicals and hormones. And, and that's where he loves me. And that's where I start. And there is hope and healing and salvation in this power that is outside of my flesh. And you need to look there because after you look through your whole flesh and you can go through all the chapters in my book and see all of your systems and how they affect your sin life. And after you go through all of that and see how fleshly and sinful you are, you find that God loves you and is there to meet you. And also that there's no power inside your flesh to change you. And so people who are looking to only secular and physical sources for for treatment for pornography addiction and things, they're going to come up short because there is no power, no willpower, no other fleshly power to defeat the flesh itself. You need a power outside of it. Uh, and that, of course, is through God and spiritual strength and power, just like you mentioned. That's right. You just you can't just keep taking the cough medicine to get rid of the cough. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. Have to, you have to eventually go deeper. Yeah. And that was... Uh, that was a big thing for me. When I finally started to, to grow spiritually is when I understood that, that God loved me anyway. And, you know, and I, I prayed thousands of times, just, God, please take this from me. I don't know why I do this. You know, why are you, you know, not taking this from me? Why am I, you know, you just not love me? Why are you silent? You know, I remember just being so, like you say in the book, being uh, beyond discouragement and frustration. That was me. And yeah. when I finally understood how much God really loves me and how much, you know, how grace is is a huge factor, I mean, he really wanted me to go deep. That was part of my process and being a better man, being a better husband, being a better father. Uh, like you said, going through the pain is is the is the most important thing. I mean, it's not just the, the pornography addiction that is that is impacted. I mean, everything just gets better. Um, one of the things that men especially have a problem with, I believe, and you see it in today's culture, is is intimacy. It seems like guys are so afraid of of uh, love and intimacy. And I think when sex is fused with love and intimacy, that's when it's really, you know, 50 times better than just the empty orgasm that people have from masturbation or, you know, watching pornography or even the illicit affair. And I wanted to talk about that. Why do you think men in our culture today are so afraid of, of intimacy? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it comes partly. Now, I'm not a psychologist. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think our culture has gotten us to be so sensory-focused. And everything we do, you know, revolves around sensory stimulation. And you, you don't get that with intimacy. Intimacy is kind of, well, you, you do in a sense, you get those internal sensations, but 
you know, it's it's just not enough. Um, I don't know, not enough adrenaline in it for men or something. Right. You know, where having sitting down and talking about your feelings or, or sharing your ambitions or dreams, um, there's just not enough adrenaline in that. I think in our our society, just everything we do—the advertising, the television, the movies, the jobs—they're all geared to make us adrenaline junkies and uh you know so we're, we're constantly out there trying to do things to to get our adrenaline fix and i just don't think intimacy does that for most guys so they ignore that part yeah they kind of cover it with uh what i call uh what i got from a uh, doctor or pastor tim lucas at the liquidchurch.com talked about uh smash and grab sexuality it's kind yeah. of a short-term fix that uh you know, using sex as like a cheeseburger or something, just something that's packaged and you can just use, which is not what God intended sex to be. Right. A lot of people, uh, you know, they just <laughs> use that as just something to cover the pain, I think. A lot of people are who are stuck in this and addicted to it are, are just using it to cover over that pain. And I think the other reason is, is because people truly are addicted. You know, and if, if you see a cocaine junkie in an alley, he's going to go out and, and steal and kill and do whatever he has to do to get that next fix. And you can understand that because everybody understands cocaine addiction as a con- life-controlling kind of event. But not everybody understands por- pornography or sexual addictions as real addictions. So they say, well, you know, maybe it won't drive my life quite as much and maybe I won't force things when I should be being intimate genuinely. But But it is. And um, I, that was one of the, the, the more eye-opening revelations as I was doing research for the book, is how in your brain, every addiction, whether it's cocaine or pornography or cigarettes or anything else, is mediated by the same chemical, dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter. It's basically a hormone that helps brain cells communicate. And regardless of the, the initial stimulus... It all comes down to a final pathway that involves the same chemical, and it is probably that chemical dopamine that is actually the cause of the addiction. So whether you stimulate that with, you know, sites on a a computer or, you know, a drug injected into your vein, it's all the same to your body. So you become just as addicted to things like pornography or, in my mind, also things like pride and self-righteousness or perhaps uh, extreme sports or television, um, lots of things that we become addicted to through that same chemical. So you really have to approach them the same way. And I, I think probably one of the, the big reasons that people remain in bondage to pornography is is they don't address it as a true addiction. Right. It's kind of uh, it's kind of cliche. It's almost cliche, but admitting you have a problem is the biggest, you know, part of a recovery. I like right. what uh, Dennis Waitley said. He, he drew an illustration to what you said as uh, kind of like a spider that starts out of, you know, we the connections through our brain start out as a spider web, and as we go back and forth, you know, my, my addiction to pornography became a cable car that, you know, you could hang a ski lift on. Yeah. Yeah, and it gets stronger and stronger as you reinforce it, absolutely. And that's the, the thing about uh, the whole pornography industry, as, uh, as I did some research into the show, finding out that, I mean, how, how these big companies, I mean, this is just not, you know, little people making nasty, naughty films. And I mean, these are major corporations who are, who are sponsoring this 
industry, and, and, it, and it gets sicker and sicker. I mean, women that get into this, the pornography business, end up starting out, you know, because they're young and they're cute. You know, they start out making a lot of money, and then they get older, and if they're still stuck in the industry, I mean, they get into some sick stuff, and it's feeding that same addiction that, you know, the, the same thing that turned, you know, got me off a few months ago, you know, I need something different, and, you know, I mean, it goes into films where people are defecating on each other, and, and it's, it's just horrible, but that's the, that's the thing, is people really need to, to get this nip in the bud before it gets yeah. out of control, and, and the whole industry is, is uh, I mean, I, I'm surprised that the government isn't looking into some of this stuff, because it's destroying people's lives. And I was surprised to see that the pornography industry makes more money than Major League Baseball, basketball, and football put together. Yeah, it's, it's that big of a uh, you know financial industry. Yeah, it's it's uh, abounding. It's it really is, and I, I really hope that the uh, the Christian uh, world out there really takes a look at this because as I I hand out a lot of flyers to churches and stuff like that, and and some of the the folks just really don't want to <laughs> look at the fact. And what would you say to pastors who? who uh, might have somebody sit in their office, because this was me. I sat in the office with, with my pastor, and I don't think he really knew how to handle me. You know? Yeah. And, and what would you say to pastors if they have somebody like me come into their office, besides uh, handing them your book, which I think is a, a powerful tool? Well, yeah, handing them information, like my book or other things, that, that says this is a real problem, and it's just like every other sin. Deal with it like every other sin with, with grace and you know, forgiveness, and, you know, I, I think some people, you know, have trouble dealing with it, you know, it's, it's not sterile enough, you know, it's not, they're nice sins, you know, they, you can deal with, and then there's some not nice sins, and so that just makes them uncomfortable, kind of personal or something. Um, that, so they should deal with it, you know, just as openly and frankly as every other sin. But uh, the other problem is that same pastor, 37% of pastors now have, viewed pornography or do view pornography so it's you know they have to get this under control in their own life that's right as well and i'll tell you i i'm convinced that anyone who has a computer has viewed pornography uh it's just it is almost impossible to avoid even with the best pop-up blockers and spam blockers and you know they're for these computer hackers just have ways of getting this stuff through and I'm I'm just appalled at what I know my kids have seen um, just in, in stuff they're not even trying to, to find and, and certainly for an inquisitive teenager they're going to find it very easily um, so anyone who has a computer has to deal with this it's not just a select few and I think as counselors and pastors recognize that they're going to hopefully do more preaching from the pulpit and more you know broad uh, addressing of this issue for everybody not just the few who have the guts to make it into their office for counseling that's right and uh, I, you know it might be a harsh thing to say but I think that uh, pastors who aren't dealing with this from the pulpit really aren't doing their job in my opinion I mean I've just seen too many lives destroyed over it to uh, you know sweep it under the rug and right and and so many of those people are they're embarrassed they're afraid and you know they're not going to show up in counseling offices very frequently so that's right it's the, it's that thing of being afraid of the doctor yeah being afraid yeah. of the needle but when the pain gets to the point where for me it was my wife 
basically wanted to divorce me. I had left the church for six years, and mm-hmm. and I, you know, I was done with church folks. And, and this guy was willing to meet with me and my wife as pastor, and and uh, he was the guy that kind of pulled me back into to the, to the Lord and showed me that you know God doesn't hate me over this this thing, and actually he wants to uh, you know wants me to go over it for a reason. And, you know, he was absolutely right. Yeah, and boy, for anybody listening. God does not hate you for sin. God came to this world because we are sinners. And, you know, your sin might be pornography and and mine might be something else, but he loves us all the same. And when we come to the point where we recognize we are a sinner, and maybe it takes your wife being ready to divorce you, um, but when you reach that point where you're ready to accept you're a sinner, that's where God loves you the most and where his love is most poured out for you. That's right. And the, one of the biggest uh, scriptures for me was uh, in James where he said, uh, if it was, if, if we had to be good, if we could earn our way to heaven, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. Hey, absolutely. And, you know, my frustration, I grew up a Christian, and it is so hard to grow up a Christian and really understand grace because you're taught as a young Christian, all the principles you need to live by. And whether people say it or not, you get the impression that God is more happy with you when you're following his principles and less happy with you when you're not. So if you fall into sin, which we all do, you uh, you expect that God is unhappy with you. Right. And, and it's just not an accurate description of his grace. And, uh, and I think that, too, has that has kept many Christians in bondage and in fear and in hiding from dealing with this issue in their life because they feel like you, you've expressed, you know, I, you know, God doesn't love me. I, I'm done with God because he's not helping me for one and he's leaving me in this place where I'm depraved and despicable and he doesn't love me. Right. And nothing could be further from the truth. That's right. That's what people need to understand. I, I heard a guy uh, doing some research. I found a, a guy who's a watchdog and runs a watchdog website for the porn industry. And he and a lot. This attitude, I think, is fueling a lot of the industry because I found that fifty percent of people that are in the porn business have come from families where they have a restrictive religious upbringing, mm-hmm. or a very strict religious upbringing. And I and I define that as a religious upbringing that doesn't explain grace. Right. Well, yeah, I was always amazed to hear that Marilyn Manson, one of the most, um, in my opinion, gross, you know, representations of a musician, you know, was a devout Baptist growing up. And, uh, again, no no disparagement against musicians or the Baptists or anything, but, you know, again, he, he was a Christian yeah. in a Christian home, and he's become this icon of depravity and... Um, you know, and I and I think that's true. And you know, that's the other great eye-opening experience that I had in understanding our flesh. God created our flesh to be good, and sexuality is a good thing when it's under the control of the Spirit. Enjoy it, be free in it, and you know, for a husband and wife, uh, the way God ordained sexuality to be experienced. There is freedom. There is freedom to pursue enjoyment and fun and excitement. And my gosh, God created an orgasm. That's right. He wanted us to have fun. He wanted us to enjoy it. He wanted it to be a an exciting experience. And and yet, again, in the Christian world, we get that repressive thing that sexual sin is bad, so all sex is bad. And you're restricting your flesh in an unhealthy way. 
and then you get driven to you know experience it through pornography and other things so you know i think uh, the other side of this message is not only do we have to avoid pornography but we really have to expand our understanding of healthy sexuality within a christian marriage and uh and not be in any way restrictive in that regard let let people really find the fulfillment of their flesh so that they're not driven in unhealthy ways that's right dr gearhart and thanks again for joining me today the website is clarkgearhart.com um i wanted to talk about uh, for one more minute before we close about uh, i saw on your website you talk about uh, flesh versus spirit ministries what is that well, that's just, uh, you know, what the ministries that I do to help educate people on their flesh in ways to help them experience their spirit. And uh, so I, I go out and speak regularly, and I'd love to go out, come out to people's local churches or conferences or men's meetings, um, father-son banquets, that type of thing, and, and share some of these ideas. And they can contact me through my website if they'd like to do that, but I travel all over uh, and, and help share this this message so that people understand their their fleshly sin nature and, and learn ways to conquer it all right great cool again it's uh www.clarkgearhart.com that's uh gearhart is g-e-r-h-a-r-t.com and uh, go to the website and thanks again for joining me today dr gearhart it's been a pleasure, and I'm, I'm so thrilled to see people out there like yourself really addressing this issue head on. It's a huge one, and, and we need to, to deal with it. So thank you. That's right, and thank you for writing this book. It's, uh, it's powerful, and I think it's going to help a lot of folks. That was Dr. Clark Gearhart, medical doctor. Thanks again for joining me today. Send me an email. It's russ at digitalaudioproject.com. Check out the website, digitalaudioproject.com slash ASI. Stands for Attitudes and Sexual Integrity. Thanks again for joining me. Try